three, two, one, zero, zero, and liftoff. This is Nuclear Knowledge. Production of the National Institute for Deterrence Studies. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another exciting episode of Nuclear Knowledge, a weekly show of the National Institute for Deterrence Studies, where we are advancing peace, promoting stability, and helping you to think deterrence. The views of the host are his own. Speaking of the host, I am your host, James Petrosky. And today's show is the second in a three-part series on survivability. And last week's show, episode 13, which I strongly recommend that you listen to, I presented a fascinating story about three little nids and their awesome technical leader. I've had an anonymous audience feedback member call about that episode. He mainly wanted us to know how incredibly awesome the technical leader is. I'm glad our audience noticed. So let's begin. In episode 13, the key points were survivability is a vital component of deterrence, but it alone is not deterrence. Survivability must account for all conditions for which the system must survive, and survivability may require the study of conditions, materials, and effects. So today I'll present some details about survivability that were embedded in somewhat of a stealthy way in the Three Little Nids story. Um, and they were done, of course, by their awesome technical leader. As always, I like to define my term. So for survivability, I turn to the Oxford Dictionary, which states, quote, the quality of being able to survive or continue to exist, unquote. Although continuing to exist is important, I find this definition annoyingly useless, Everyone knows not to use the root of a word in its definition. So instead, I turn to one of my favorite organizations, the United States Army, to provide context. In Army Regulation 70-75, and yes, it's it's Army, so of course there's a regulation. And this regulation is titled Survivability of Army Personnel and Material. It highlights that much survivability is about systems of systems and then breaks the problem into four areas. The first area is mission survivability, the ability to accomplish the designated mission during and after exposure to a man-made hostile environment. Functional survivability, the ability to maintain a capability through and after exposure to a man-made hostile environment. Platform survivability, the ability of a platform to avoid or withstand a man-made hostile environment without suffering an abortive impairment of its ability to contribute to the collaborative accomplishment of the system-of-system designated mission, or the ability to contribute again after repair or constitution of the system-of-systems. And personnel survivability, the integration of the survivability of the individual soldier and how the systems affect the soldier's survivability. So there's a lot of words in there, and I enjoyed reading them to you. However, in each of of those, the importance is on accomplishing the mission, but after being exposed to a hostile environment. For a national or strategic system, one can assume this means sustaining our national interest and preserving our national sovereignty. For example, for the three little nids, 
Their interest was beyond being turned into a hot gas plasma, but also to maintain their livelihood, their way of life, and peacefully live on their land. However, I argue that an important aspect left out in all of these definitions is prevention or avoidance of the hostile environment altogether, uh, which includes deterrence. Avoidance is typically any plan, campaign, treaty, etc. for a military and national level operation. So, in today's lesson, I offer the following survivability principles. Mobility. Mobility is, uh, is an idea that provides the ability to avoid being at a predictable or planned location. This increases the adversary's time to respond and makes it less probable that any actions will be successful, thus reducing the potential for an attack. This is what mobile missile launchers and submarines provide for survivability. Additionally, if the hostile environment is localized, for example, a radiological field, mobility allows for survivability by maneuvering around that environment, reducing the success of an adversary's hostile intent. Concealment, which again reduces an adversary, uh, adversary's potential for success. Um, and in addition to our submarines, bombers can be placed into shelters and communications and communications and security operations can be concealed through OPSEC and COMSEC. Preemption. Preemption is a fancy word for being able to take an action before another occurs. This does not mean that you must take the action, but in many cases, be able to credibly threaten preemption. A good example are our bombers that can be visibly deployed in a threatening way, thus causing an adversary to change course from hostile actions. However, if necessary, these bombers can credibly deliver a payload to stop an action if needed. And lastly is awareness. Knowledge is power. And knowing what an adversary is planning, what their objectives are, and how they will react is a part of survivability. Diplomacy and treaties are part of survivability uh, and, avoid, and, and building an avoidance strategy. They provide mechanisms for communicating intent and understanding motives. Also, our U.S. Nuclear Command Control and Communication System, the NC3 system, has integrated surveillance capability to provide situational awareness so actions can be taken and we let our adversaries know it exists, thus changing the calculus of taking aggressive actions. So in today's show, Part 2 Survivability, I'm thinking you may not have heard what you were expecting to hear. As more often people think of survivability as developing hardness to environments and building protection systems. Now, these are important too, but avoidance is the preferred method of achieving survivability and deterrence is an integral part of these principles. To make this point further, consider that in cars, seat belts, airbags, crush zones, and specially formulated glass are all important technologies designed to help you survive in an accident. However, the best strategy is to avoid having the accident in the first place. So, stay tuned next week for Part 3 Survivability, in which we will return to the land of NIDS and discuss system hardening, redundancy, diversity, and replacement, 
In other words, those things you need to complete the mission if the harsh environment exists. Well, thank you for listening to today's Nuclear Knowledge Show. I hope you learned something new and valuable about deterrence. Nuclear Knowledge is a production of NIDS, a 501c3 organization dependent upon donations to provide this podcast. Every donation helps us keep this and many other deterrence-related activities happening and helps to bring about awareness of the peacekeeping value of U.S. strength and our national deterrent. This podcast is produced weekly and each episode is released on Monday. If you enjoyed this show, check out our other podcast, The Nuclear View. You can catch it and all our podcasts at thinkdeterrence.com. I want to thank our producer, Kimberly Charrington, our sponsors, and all the fantastic members of the National Institute for Deterrence Studies for making this podcast possible. Stay tuned next week for another exciting and informative nuclear knowledge. Bye-bye. A production of the National Institute for Deterrence Studies.